Well, this morning I want us to think about the mystery of Christmas. Uh, one of the mysteries that I grew up with um, every year around Christmas time was the, was the mystery of what was going to be the Christmas number one. Um, and uh, again, it's a big debate as I, as I read the papers. In my day, of course, there was no downloads. You actually had to go and buy a vinyl disc, a CD from a, a CD, no, a, a vinyl record. But uh, th- th- this year, it's, uh, the big excitement is Will Joe McReady, McElderry. So what is his name? Joe McElderry. I don't watch this program. Will he get the number one slot? I think he's the X Factor winner or something. And uh, there's been a big push from um, a group of hateful people who want to uh, support Rage Against the Machine and their song Killing in the Name. They're supporting this old single just to stop Simon Cowell from uh, minting another number one song. And then, you know, there's the thing, will Susan Boyle make it? Of course she's going to make it, the album. And of course, of all this hype and excitement, uh, the, the winner is Sony Music, who basically own all of the above acts <laughs> and going to make a ton of money either way. A brilliant scam. Now my question is, is there anything better we can sing along to this Christmas than uh, these songs? And I want to suggest to you that there is a, a great alternative song that comes from the first century. Now we don't have the music, but we've got some of the lyrics. And it's from 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. And um, let me tell you what page number that would be. He's got the fastest fingers. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1192. Thank you. That's on 1192 in the church Bibles. And I've put the words up on the screen behind me as well, but you might want to follow along with both. It says this, Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world was taken up in glory. Now this is what Christians believed Christmas was about from the earliest days of the church. This is what they thought was worth singing about. They were caught up with the mystery of God's great plan for the world. The mystery of godliness, as it says here, uh, was the great confession statement that they were building their churches on, that they were building their lives upon. God's plan had been a mystery. What was God going to do with this world, this world that uh, had been messed up by us? What was he going to do? It had been a secret, but now the secret was out and made public in a stable in Bethlehem that first Christmas day. Who is this baby lying in a manger? Well, the first three lines of, of verse 16 tell us that this is God in the flesh. See that first line? He appeared... In a body. Now think about what those words are saying. It's something huge. It's something profound has taken place in the coming of this baby, Jesus. My wife and I have had four children. And when they were born, I sent out cards with pictures to family and friends. And I included a number of important details, just as we heard this morning, about Timothy Rose. uh, Things like their weight and their sex, but some details I didn't include. I did not point out that they were born into flesh and blood bodies. 
Now that would be saying a very strange thing, wouldn't it? That would be saying the blindingly obvious. How else do you get born as a human being? But you see, to understand Jesus, you need to know that you're dealing with someone who existed before he was born. And that's the significance of making that statement. He appeared in a body. It means that God was revealed to us in the person of Jesus. Here is the greatest moment of revelation in the history of the world. God choosing to enter into his world clothed in human flesh and blood. What a profound mystery Christmas is. In Jesus, we have someone who's both fully human and fully God. The second person of the Trinity becoming a multiplying cluster of cells in the body of a young Hebrew woman called Mary. And then nine months later, a baby was born. The one who created the universe and who continued to sustain it. It needed to be held and nurtured by his mother. Now, this is just an incredible mystery, a profound and wonderful event, an event that's, of course, not just about his birth. The Bible's never content to leave us with just a crib. It's the whole package that's important. And the first three lines uh, of of this ancient song are a Reader's Digest summary of the life of Jesus. Three snapshots of his whole life. First line, he appeared in a body, the incarnation. Uh, his entry into the world from heaven. And he, in that same body that he was born with, it was a body that he went out with and taught like nobody else. In that body, he cared. He, he compassionately touched the outcasts. He healed. He did miracles. He, this was a body that he allowed to be taken and beaten and bloodied and stripped naked and crucified with criminals before mocking crowds and he, in, in, the, in the total darkness of the cross bearing the punishment of God in this body. And so when they sung, he appeared in a body, it was all of the above that was being evoked in their song. He appeared in a body. Second line, was vindicated by the Spirit. Now this phrase speaks of his dramatic resurrection from the dead. Now that's not instantly obvious to us as we kind of read that. Uh, But it's clear when you read around other parts of the Bible. Listen to what the Apostle Paul who wrote these words here uh, in this letter to Timothy says in Romans chapter 1. It's the same writer and listen to the words he uses. Regarding his son who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be son of God by his resurrection from the dead. The bodily resurrection of Jesus by the spirit of God is God's powerful declaration that the rescue mission of his death is a complete success. That's the significance of the word vindicated. He was vindicated by the Spirit. You see, for those who turn uh, from their sin and trust Jesus alone, there is no doubt that we can be totally forgiven and fully saved because Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit in his resurrection. Third line, was seen by angels. And And that reminds us that the angels were observing and watching not only in wonder at his birth, but in, in wonder at his life and suffering. 
and His resurrection and, and in glorious shouting and His ascension back to the glory of heaven to sit at God's right hand, the victorious Savior and Lord. And so you see in those three simple terms, in these three lines you get, in theological language, you get His incarnation, His resurrection, His glorification. And so here is the story of Jesus. He starts in glory, fully divine, God the Son. And then he humbles himself to becoming a man, even to the humiliation of, the, of death by crucifixion, before he is raised and exalted in glory. And I want to say that is a song that's worth singing about. That is the greatest story. X Factor stars come and go. You can barely remember who won it two years ago. But here's something that's worth singing about every year. Britain's Got Talent stars come and go. But here is the biggest and most glorious story of all. I went to see the film Avatar this past week. And what amused me was that, again, here is another pale and distorted attempt to copy the Christian gospel. The story of how someone comes in and enters into the alien race by becoming and taking on the body of the race and, and ends up becoming their Lord by entering into suffering and even death and resurrection. Well, it's a pale imitation of the true greatest story of the gospel. And I want to give us three reasons why Jesus gives us better reasons to sing. Number one, Jesus means that God is revealed. Have you ever thought, how can I really know God? Have you ever wondered that? How can I really know God? The answer of Christmas is, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. I wonder, have you ever really met someone really famous? Someone that you've uh, seen on TV or in a film or a magazine. You've known something about them from a distance. But then there's nothing quite like meeting someone in the flesh, in the body, as it were. And if you've lived at the right time and in the right place, you could have seen God in the flesh. You could have shaken hands with God. You could have had a meal with God. His disciples did that. That's what they proclaimed. Jesus said to Philip, one of the disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And what Jesus is saying this, is this, if you want to know God, look at me. And so Christmas means that atheism is a delusional crutch for people too frightened to consider that their lives are accountable to God. Christmas means you can't be agnostic anymore. To say, as many do today, that you believe that there probably is a God, but you, you can't be certain about him, is not a statement of, of wise maturity, but of laziness. God has come in human flesh. If God is capable of creating this cosmos, of creating our ears and our mouths and our brains, do we really believe he's incapable of communicating to us clearly? Well, he did. And he does. Christmas means that God is revealed in the flesh. Look at Jesus. There you will find God in a body. Now, what more can God do to make himself known? Now, even though we're living in a time where Jesus is no longer living on planet Earth, you can still get to know him. Um, you can read the eyewitness records of him in the Gospels that you find in the Bible. Why not read one this Christmas? Come and meet the living God, made manifest in flesh. And if, if you were to pick, for instance, John's gospel, you would read through it and get to chapter 13, and you'll read this, of this incredible incident the night before his crucifixion. 
Listen to these words from John chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. What an amazing God. The one who fashioned galaxies of stars comes in flesh to planet Earth and stoops to wash the dirty, smelly feet of his disciples. This is our God who appeared in a body. Just a tiny picture of of how the next day he was going to serve them by dying in their place in order to wash them clean of their guilt and sin. That's what was going on as he washed their feet. And so in Jesus, God is revealed. Now why specifically has the Apostle Paul written this little hymn uh, into this letter to encourage a church pastor called Timothy? Well, because secondly, Jesus means that godliness is revealed. If you were to read on in 1 Timothy, you'll find that there are people who are teaching in the church there, as some still do today, some cults and, and uh, religions do today, that really to be spiritual, you must avoid the things of your human body. You must avoid marrying. You must abstain from certain foods. That's what true spirituality is about. Well, that's got nothing to do with Christianity. Because Christianity is about Jesus Christ, God appearing in a flesh and blood body. You can't get more spiritual than God, I want to suggest to you. The truly spiritual life is all about how you live in this physical body. It's actually evil to call anything that God created as something wrong. You can read on in 1 Timothy 4, For everything God created is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. And you know, that means we can really enjoy Christmas. Every aspect of our Christmas celebrations this year is something we can legitimately enjoy. We should receive uh, God's good gifts of food and drink, of gifts and presents, of love and of relationships. Everything with thanks to God who made it all because he appeared in a body. Every aspect of our lives in these bodies can be an act of spiritual worship to God. Jesus showed that in his earthly life. He reveals true godliness. He shows what it is to be truly human. This is how God intended us to live. You see, when you come to know Jesus, you don't only come to know God truly. You come to see what it is to be truly human. To know what a godly life that honors him looks like. And Paul's great concern in in, in this chapter and in this letter of 1 Timothy is that all Christians, especially Christian leaders, live godly lives just like the Lord Jesus did. And so Jesus means that God is revealed. It means that godliness is revealed. And lastly, you'll see that it means good news to the world. That's what the rest of this song goes on to say was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. See, if the first half of the song is about the life of Jesus, the second half is about the impact 
of Jesus upon the world. For the coming of God in Jesus Christ is good news to be shared. It is good news for the whole world. That's why Paul wrote this letter to Timothy in the church at Ephesus. He wanted to remind them to stay on track to uh, keep proclaiming this message of the gospel uh, of how Jesus came to save sinners. He came to save and redeem every type of people in the whole world. That's what's wonderful to hear about what it's like in Australia and uh, Malaysia and uh, Ghana. Was there someone else? Latvia. Darcy, forgive me. I was interested. I was. I've just got a very limited brain. See, all over the world, people are going to be celebrating in this coming week what brilliant news Jesus is because Jesus is good news to save sinners in the whole world. He didn't just come to display how life should be lived. He came to transform sinners and failures into godly displays of his power and grace. Christianity is not a self-help religion. It's not about how you can become a better you and Jesus will help you try harder. It is about how Jesus is the Savior who came to rescue people who were hopeless and helpless, needing desperately His grace. Do you know, Jesus came to deliver us and save us. Jesus can take drunks and make them sober. Jesus can take addicted people and make them free. He can take angry people and make them give them peace. He can take people who are in despair and give them hope. He can take people who are full of shame and make them worthy of respect. He can take selfish people and make them hospitable. He can take liars and make them honest. He can make violent people those who are gentle. And the evidence of this is, is kind of all around you in this church. As people here's lives have been changed and are being changed and transformed by the gospel. You're still going to meet a lot of awkward cusses here because we're sinners who still need to be changed. But we're in a process of being changed by Jesus. And that is the great hope of the gospel. And all of this is the reason that Jesus was taken up in glory. That last line was taken up in glory. Now, it's not saying the destination place of heaven. It's his reception into, into heaven is glorious in its manner because Jesus has so gloriously achieved his, his mission all over the world. People are being saved and redeemed and lives are being transformed because of what Jesus did in his incarnation, in his death and resurrection, and in his glorious ascension. This is the great mystery of godliness that we confess. Jesus means that God is revealed that godliness is revealed, and so there is good news for the world. And is that what you're singing about this Christmas? Is that what fills your heart with joy? I wonder, have you come to see in Jesus God in human flesh? Have you come to see in Jesus here is perfect humanity as we were meant to be? Have you come to see that his life and death was for your sins? That his resurrection can give you new life? Now, the truth is, is that there will be all sorts of different responses to Jesus here, represented here today. Uh, on one end, there, there will be people here who've, who've been trusting Jesus for 50, 60 years. And if you could interview them, they would tell you what a joy it has been to know Jesus, their Lord and Savior. 
It hasn't taken all their problems away, but they know who they've been able to turn to. They know who's kept them. They know who's sustained them. They know who's forgiven them. They know who's going to take them safely home to be with them. And they would tell you that gladly. And at the other end, maybe there's people here today, and this is brand new. You've, you've never heard anything like this before. Uh, we, I keep meeting people like this uh, these days who've never heard anything about the Christian faith. This is all brand new. And what I want to say to you is if that's where you are and you've got lots of questions, then inside your, your brochure today was this Glad You Asked leaflet. And this will be a perfect event to come on to, to respond to in the new year. Bring your questions. Uh, Mondays, uh, nights from 18th of January to 22nd of February, 7.30 till 9. Come along. Ask your questions to explore what the Christian faith is about. But maybe you're now convinced. Maybe you've got to that place, you've hung around Christians enough, you've asked your questions, and yet you've still not responded to Jesus. And I want to say to you, today is the day that you should do that. And I want to put up here a prayer that you could use today to respond to Jesus. Have a look at this prayer. It's, a, it's not magical, but it's a prayer that you could pray. Let me read through it and see if you'd want to pray it. It acknowledges that we're not worthy to be accepted by God. It's acknowledging uh, with, with sadness that we're sorry for our sin and rebellion against God. It's thanking God for sending His Son so that we could come to know Him, that, that, that He died for our sins, that, that He can give us new life. And it's asking, please forgive me and change me so I may live with Jesus as my ruler. And maybe today there, there are people here and you know you need to make this response to Jesus today. And what I'd urge you, is just to pray this prayer in your heart. Let's bow our heads and I'll pray this prayer line by line and leave you a gap to, to make it your prayer to God today. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm not worthy to be accepted by you. I'm sorry for my sin and rebellion against you. Thank you for sending your son so that I could come to know you. Thank you that he died for my sins. Thank you that through his resurrection I can receive new life. Please forgive me and change me. So that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. Amen.